everyone, Nessie is here with you for this week's Daily Devotionals. I'll be with you all week as we have a look at Luke chapters 1 and 2. But as we begin our study of the New Testament, let's recall how we concluded our study of the Old Testament last week. We were reminded of the anticipation that was building in God's people as they awaited the fulfilment of God's promises. Having been restored to Jerusalem from exile, having rebuilt and rededicated the temple, having recommitted themselves to the law, the time seemed imminent for God to complete their renewal and redemption. We read in Malachi, which is um, a prophet, the last book actually in the Old Testament, we read this prophet saying these words from God in chapter 3, verse 1. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. The promise of this Lord's coming had been on the lips of the prophets. But then the spirit of the Lord goes quiet and there's no word. There's no sign of God's activity for years, actually for hundreds of years. We turn the page from the Old Testament to the New Testament in the single turning of a page. But this represents a long period of waiting, hoping, expecting. Now, that isn't to say that nothing happened in this time period. In fact, there was huge political change occurring in this time. There were important religious clashes and the Jewish sects had formed with different ideologies and practices. This period of history is referred to as the intertestamental period and there are plenty of Jewish writings from this era. They're worth reading to understand the growing urgency and the shape of the Jewish messianic hope. And so by the first century BC, we find ourselves in a Greco-Roman world where the Jewish people are desperately trying to uphold their identity and purity and withstand the oppressive rule of Rome. And this brings us to the Gospels. The four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, are all biographies of the life of Jesus. More than just facts and stories recorded for posterity, these are ancient biographies. And so this means they're not in the format of a biography that we would expect today. These days we want to know every detail from birth to death, every milestone, every childhood story, everything that makes us who we are, the psychological insights, getting inside the mind of a person, so to speak. And so when we read these ancient biographies, we're left wanting. Why do we know so little about the childhood of Jesus? What was he like as a teen? But instead, we should read these Gospels as biographical in the context they were written. And so even though there seems to be so much left out to us, they can still be read as a historical account of the Jesus of Nazareth. But more than that, they are also theological, wanting to say something about God and how we relate to him. 
These Gospels are literally the announcement of good news, bearing witness to the one saving message of Jesus Christ, a real person in history who reveals God to humanity. Now, if we have a look at Luke's Gospel specifically, we first notice the author is Luke. He's a Gentile Christian. He's a non-Jew who's come to believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and Saviour. Luke writes with sophisticated Greek. He's evidently an educated man. He's likely to be the physician that travels with Paul on his missionary journeys. And so we find references to Luke in some of Paul's letters. For example, in Colossians 4 verse 14, this is where we find out that Luke is a doctor. If we read 2 Timothy 4.11, which says, Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. We notice that Luke is with Paul and soon Mark and Timothy will join them on their continuing mission to spread the gospel. Now, this is important to us as we study Luke together because not only is Luke educated in a way that allows him to check sources and report on the life of Jesus with a certain amount of accuracy, he's also got access to the apostles and other important leaders and witnesses. And so this gives his gospel a certain amount of reliability too. Gospel, uh, the Gospel of Luke and Acts are actually both books in the Bible written by Luke. And we really should view them as volume one and two of the same series. The focus of both is the mission of Jesus. It begins with Jesus, who is the saviour of the world. That's the focus of Luke's Gospel. And this mission is carried on by the church. That's what he documents in Acts as they proclaim Jesus as saviour and continue his mission of salvation. This mission is done through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in both volumes as God, the faithful God of Israel, inaugurates his kingdom under the reign of Jesus and expands it from Jerusalem out to the world. Now, this expansion is not just geographical, but also it extends out from just the Jewish people out to the Gentiles and the nations. The inclusion of the sinner, the outcast, the minority is a strong feature of Luke's writing. Perhaps being a Gentile believer himself, this focus reflects his own experience of salvation and inclusion. But essentially, Luke is occupied with giving his readers confidence that Jesus is the saviour of the world, the one they have been waiting for. Now, with all that said, let's read the opening four verses of Luke's gospel and we'll find out more about his audience and purpose. Let's read. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, 
so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Well, straight away we notice that Luke makes reference to many other accounts. Luke had read other written accounts of the life of Jesus. And we know through um, literary studies that Luke has relied on Mark's gospel. And there also seems to be another common source that is known as Q that both Matthew and Luke draw on. This is a common but unknown source. Having read these other accounts, Luke wants to take what he's investigated and tested and write his own orderly account so that we can be certain of the things taught by the eyewitnesses of Jesus. Now that doesn't mean that he's writing um, in order to correct or fill gaps in what has been previously written. Rather, he's writing from his unique perspective as someone who's been saved from the outside and writing in a period of time that is within the first um, generation of eyewitnesses, within living memory. He's writing probably around the late 60s AD. He wants to add certainty to what has already been taught because he has investigated, he's met with these eyewitnesses, and he has taken accounts, tested them, and written it down in an orderly way, in an orderly way for us. Luke seems to be addressing this initially to Theophilus. In fact, he addresses both Luke and Acts in his opening verses to this same Theophilus. This could be an individual, and if so, it's likely to be a wealthy Christian convert. Notice Luke calls him most excellent, and so he's probably some official of some kind, or at least a person of some kind of honour. But he's clearly someone who's heard about Jesus and needs reassuring. It's possible that this is a fictional person, a representative of every Gentile believer. Theophilus means friend of God. And so Luke could also be writing with a broad audience in mind. Either way, as we embark on the study of Luke chapter 1 and 2 this week, we should keep all of this context and background in our mind, knowing that we too can have confidence that he's written this account of Jesus, God's Saviour, a man in history that people could testify to, they'd seen him with their own eyes, but who came to fulfil the promises of God. These promises made in the Old Testament, anticipated for years of hopeful waiting, fulfilled now in this Jesus. I look forward to being with you again tomorrow.